0: It was the end of November, 2021. That's the day 15-year-old Ethan Crumley went to Oxford High School in Michigan and used the Sig Sauer handgun his parents gave him to shoot and kill four fellow students, wounding seven others. Now 17 Ethan Crumley sentenced to life in prison for the mass killings with no hope of parole. This week in a first case of its kind, his mom Jennifer Crumley was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Not securing the gun, not responding to his troubles, although the school had been in touch and was worried. Her husband and Ethan's father is about to go on trial next for the same charge. The dad is the one who bought his son the automatic gun days before the shooting. What presents do we give our children? How do we protect them from themselves, but also from a harsh world of hate and violence? Just like us, our children need the presence of Christ. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus. Thanks for joining us. And here on this Thursday, we're continuing a series called The Promise of Jesus. And David Woolen, her new president and speaker, it's great to be by your side again today. Well, the feeling's mutual, Charles, and today we're
1: going to continue in John 17. It's the high priestly prayer, and simply put, Jesus is praying for himself and his followers and even for us. And so Jesus is looking into the future in the passage we have for today. He's praying for his church and that includes us all the way here today in the 21st century. So,
0: Charles, I'm looking forward to this. Well, and I think it's pretty profound, David, to think about, and even more riveting to hear my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I'm really looking forward to sharing this with everybody listening today. It's almost like a behind-the-scenes prayer, Charles. It helps
1: us better understand how Jesus is praying for us. And in fact, elsewhere in the Bible, it says he's praying for us right now. But this is showing us that his desire, yes, it's to protect us, but also to be near, to be near to his people. And speaking of being near to Jesus, Charles, we want to let our listeners know that we still have Johnny Erickson Tata's new book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus.
2: Too many of us skate the surface of our Christian walk with Christ. Um, We keep him at a distance. We we just don't want to be thrown out into the deep end.
1: We'll be hearing a little more from Johnny on this topic later in the program. What she said just now hits home, I think too often we're content to be comfortable instead of nearer to christ and that's why i'm so thankful that johnny wrote this book it's such an encouragement to help us know that jesus wants to be near to us in every aspect of our lives even when it gets hard if not especially when it gets
0: hard that's right johnny shares how we can practice how we can not just develop good habits. But the actual process, the access we have, getting closer to Jesus in every circumstance of our lives, this book is saturated with the Word of God. It'll encourage everyone who reads it. That's right. So for your gift
1: to the ministry today, Charles and I would love to send you the practice of the presence of Jesus. So after the program, would you come and visit our website and check it out? And you can watch the video of our time with Johnny, the full interview. And when you're there, you can make a gift to Haven requesting your copy of Johnny's new book. This is our way of saying thank you for your vital help to Haven Ministries. This is what keeps this radio program on the air every day. You can find all of this at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or you can call us at 865-HAVEN. 865 Haven. And now to open this Haven today, Unity by Mike Donahay.
3: Christ come have mercy on us. Come and work what we separate. We are divided over things that are not your heart. Spirit come show us the way. Oh, hallelujah, Christ is with us, in him we live and move and breathe, so we In Him we live and move and breathe So with His breath inside our lungs now And forever we will sing Your love unites us Your love unites us, Love. Unites us, your love unites us, Lord, oh, can separate us from your love unites us, your love unites us, Lord, oh,
1: This is Haven Today. I'm David Wolin. With me is Charles Morris, and we're continuing in John 17. It's the promise of Jesus.
0: David, here we are, back again, working our way through this great prayer, high priestly prayer that Jesus left for us, longest prayer recorded for us in all the Bible by our Savior and our Lord. We're back to John 17 again. That's right. We're hearing Jesus praying for
1: us. You know, we pray for each other. We often say things like, I'll be praying for you. Hopefully we follow through on that when we do. But, you know, just a side comment, rather than telling someone you'll pray for them, I found it's better if you could just do it right there. Seize the moment, pray for them. And when you do that, it's ensuring that you won't forget. But, you know, being prayed for in person is a double blessing because you get to hear yourself being prayed for. That's faith building. And we know prayer is more than well wishes. God hears our prayers and responds. Well, this week in John 17, we've heard the Lord Jesus praying out loud as well. He's praying for himself, then for the 11 remaining disciples, and here in the verses we'll be in today, Jesus is praying for you and me. In fact, all who will yet believe in him, even 2000 years later. So starting in verse 20 of John 17, Jesus prays this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So up until this point, Jesus was praying specifically for his disciples, for their future ministry. Now he's praying for the result of that ministry, namely you and me, those who will believe in Jesus through their message. What was the message of those disciples? Well, do you have a Bible nearby? Pick it up. Now you're holding that message in your hands. The New Testament was written by these disciples and those directly connected to their teaching who were called by Jesus to write down the message for us. And where did they get the message? Well, they got it from Jesus. Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus promised to send the Spirit, telling the disciples, You also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And then Jesus expanded on that a little later, saying, When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So this is the message you and I received through the disciples and their message that we might believe in Jesus Now, what was Jesus praying for you and for me and for all the church and every generation yet to come? Well, you can sum it all up in one word, unity, unity. It's a small word, but a big concept. In a moment, Charles Morris will be expanding on this since Jesus has much more to say on this topic in the next few verses, but it begins with Jesus saying this. He prays that all of them that is, we who believe, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they may be one. About ten years ago, the true story of the 1936 American Olympic rowing team became a New York Times bestseller. And earlier this year, The Boys in the Boat was released as a movie in theaters. People described it as a well-told, inspiring story, which is rare enough coming out of Hollywood these days. And while it's not exactly a family movie recommendation, it certainly made an impact, in part because it was all about unity, also a rarity these days. The men were underdogs, to say the least, and had to break through many barriers before they were able to break records and ultimately compete on the world stage. But the key to their greatness was perfect Unity, the slightest deviation, even for a second, could have derailed their team. And it was because they were one in this story that the whole world took notice and recognized their greatness. And we're still telling the story 88 years later. Unity is rare. It gets noticed. And Jesus also has a comparison for what unity looks like, except that he doesn't use an example like I just did from the world we live in or the world of the first century or from creation like he did in chapter 15 with the vine and the branches. The reference point Jesus gives us is something the disciples have virtually no understanding about. Jesus does that kind of thing just a handful of times in the Gospels, and each time it's because he's talking about something that's so profound, so great, so sublime and magnificent that he's unwilling to bring it down to our terms. Instead, he calls us up into what we can barely contemplate, but to do any less would fall short of the glory of what Jesus wants us to see and wants us to know. So listen now to what Jesus prays for you and me, that they may be one, Father, and here it is, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Charles, these are deep waters, and they'll get deeper even more so as we keep going. You want to take us through the end of verse 23? I would be happy to.
0: In this portion of the high priestly prayer, Jesus speaks not only of the unity, David, that you were just speaking of, between Jesus and the Father, but of the unity between believers at all times and places. We are one with God. We are one with another. Here are Jesus' words from verses 21 through 23. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here in these short verses, John 17, Jesus pointing to two inseparable relationships. First, the relationship between believers and God and then the relationship between fellow believers. As followers of Jesus, we can say with full assurance that we are one with him. We don't become Jesus, but by faith we now find ourselves in Jesus. He's our home. He's our dwelling place. He's our new identity. Paul the Apostle describes this reality in Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer us who lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. Jesus promised that this would be true. Sometimes it may not feel that way. There are days when we wonder if we're truly Christians, especially after committing some major sin, but... If we trust in him and believe that he paid for our sins, then we're no longer united to that old sinful nature. Behold, we are a new creation. We're now united to Jesus. But that's not all. Jesus speaks of our union with him and also our union with other believers. Now, for some, this may be hard to understand. You might say, well, yes, I know I'm united to Christ. He's my savior. He's my Lord. But how am I one with other Christians? Think of all the barriers we have. We speak different languages. We come from various parts of the world. We may have different opinions on certain political issues. And don't even get me started on the different denominations out there. How are Christians one with each other? This seems like a future hope rather than a present reality. Well, for all the differences that Christians have, the cultural, some theological, we are united because we share the same Savior. We have an inseparable bond with believers in the United States, in Canada, in the Philippines, Africa, all over the world, because we're united to the one true Lord Jesus Christ. There's a purpose for this unity. It involves the whole world. Did you catch that? Jesus mentioned it twice in this prayer. The purpose of Christian unity is so that the world may know him. When the church enjoys complete unity, then the world will know that the Father sent Jesus and that the Father loves the church just as he loves his son. Does this bring conviction to your heart? It does to me. When we're more interested in building up walls rather than building bridges to other believers, we're not pointing the watching world to Jesus. We must not forget the famous words of our Lord, they will know you by your love. Does this world know you are a Christian by your love? Or do they just hear your harsh words? I'm sad to say that I think the world knows us more by the latter than the former, But this isn't the end of our story. We are truly one with God and one another. So what are we to do? We live in that truth. And that begins with you and me. We can live in unity. We can do it here and now, just like those boys on the boat in that movie. That was a famous book before it went to Hollywood a few weeks ago. Are there people at your church who are in need? You have an opportunity to show that unity by offering assistance or a home-cooked meal. Did you see yet another fight on social media between Christians, name-calling, slander maybe even as well? You can respond with love with this prayer from our Lord, that we may be one just as Jesus and the Father are one. This world is watching They're looking for any excuse to brush off Jesus. I'm not saying there are valid reasons to reject Jesus, but let's not make our poor testimony one of those reasons. Let's use our lives to witness to the life-changing power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that can bring even the most opposite of people together. And that's true unity. And that was Jesus' prayer. And I hope you believe it and are living it today.
4: They will Stand firm in the truth now Set your hearts up
1: will know us by our love. It's more than a popular song from the late 20th century. It's the words of Jesus and a promise here on this Haven Today. I'm David Wolin here with my friend and Haven host emeritus Charles Morris. And Charles, earlier in the program, I was talking about the deep waters God calls us into. John 17 could certainly be described that way. And The deep waters Jesus calls us into is something Johnny Erickson Tata knows a lot about, and she wrote about it in her new book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, and she spoke about it with us as well.
2: Too many of us skate the surface of our Christian walk with Christ. Um, We keep him at a distance. We're satisfied with a little bit of theology, a little bit of prayer. We're satisfied with a little bit of church attendance. A little bit of fellowship, but we just don't want to be thrown out into the deep end. Mm -hmm. We are happy to wade the shallows where life's a bit more controllable, um, comfortable, convenient, easy. Mm -hmm. But usually it is suffering or affliction, which heaves us. God just picks us up and heaves us out into the deep end where it is so deep. Mm -hmm. No one can touch bottom but Christ. And so you cling to him in the middle of that affliction that you feel at times will overwhelm you, drown you. And you you, you learn to see that your sweetest, most precious moments are not back by the shoreline, not where life is easy and convenient and controllable, but when you are totally availing yourself, throwing yourself at the mercy of God and uh, leaning on him day by day.
1: Don't you yearn for the closeness with Jesus that Johnny Erickson Tata was talking about? Life isn't easy for anybody, but with Christ we find purpose and growth, peace and joy and life as we draw near to him and he draws near to us.
0: That's right, David. Johnny wants to encourage every Christian to not settle for too little, to seek Christ in all their lives. And I'm confident her new book will help everyone do that, to find more time to be with Jesus. And then when you do, to grow in your love with him and for him. So could we invite you right now to come and
1: visit the Haven website? You can read a sample from the book there. You can watch or listen to the full length interview we have there with Johnny. But right now, would you do that and make your gift to Haven today? That's so very important. And when you do Ask for your copy of Johnny's new book. You can do all that at haventoday.org, haventoday.org, or call us. And we'd love to hear from you at 865 Haven. 865 Haven.
0: I'm Charles Boris. And I'm David Wallen. Thanks for joining us so much. Won't you come back again tomorrow when, again, we'll be sharing together this great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today.
1: For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolin with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. The life of the Apostle Paul is a riches to rags story, the very opposite of most inspirational stories, but Paul saw things differently. He knew he had traded up, not down, and he knew to trust God, even when it wasn't clear where his next meal would come from. In Romans 8. Paul gives us a reason to also trust in God in our times of want. Verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? We can trust him, even for the little things, and that's because he's already met us in our greatest need of all. He has given us a Savior. Grow in your walk with Jesus with Anchor Devotional visit getanchor.com.